Hey folks, and welcome to the Social Marketing Academy. For all of those out there that are trying to reach highly technical audiences, I have the absolutely, meaning the technical buyers. Um, so if you are looking for that, I have the guest today for you, Wendy Covey. She is absolutely fantastic. I'll tell you more about her in just a minute. But welcome to the show. Uh, uh, I'm Christopher Tompkins. I'm your host. Uh, thank you so much for all of the really great feedback that we've been getting on our shows and all of the questions that you've been giving me for upcoming episodes. Now, this is the show, the Social Marketing Academy was built for you. So as you know, and as all the listeners out there and the people that are watching our live feed or on-demand videos on Facebook or YouTube know, we are all about trying to bring my expert network of influencers to your table. So you can get ask them any question that you like. So if you have a question that you would like to ask um, about any sort of given topic, or you have a show idea of someone that you would like to see, or you would like to be a guest yourself, please feel free to go to our website. It's my agency's website, The Go Agency. We're a digital marketing specialist agency. So you can go to our website and then fill out the contact form and it will come directly to me, or you can DM me through any of our social media links. And while you're there, take a look at our podcast page and you can, you can listen to all, listen and watch all of our past shows as well as connect to any of the experts. So if you need an expert in affiliate marketing, I have someone for you. If you need someone for SEO, I have a show for you for that. So definitely check that out. Now let's go into today's episode. Let me tell you a little bit more about Wendy. Wendy Covey is the CEO, technical marketing leader, and she's also the author of Content Marketing Engineered, one of the Wall Street Journal's 10 most innovative entrepreneurs in America, this Wendy is. So, and she also holds a Texas fishing record. Um, uh, she's an avid fisherman, or fish one. Over the last 20 years, Wendy and her team at True Marketing have helped hundreds of engineering and technology companies build trust and fill their pipeline using compelling technical content. And if you are trying to reach a highly technical audience, you know how tricky it can be. So having an expert on your side like Wendy will really, really help out. So I'm going to bring Wendy in and she's gonna answer all of your questions around technical marketing that you have risen over the past few weeks. There she is. Hey, Wendy, welcome. Hi, thank you for having me. Yeah, oh, so welcome. So good to see you. Uh, um, so I was just telling everybody a little bit about you and you're, introduce yourself to the audience a little bit. Uh, well, hey, everybody, this is Wendy Covey, and um, I'm here in Austin, Texas. Actually, I live just outside of Austin in a town called Dripping Springs, and uh, my agency, True Marketing, works with companies that are targeting highly technical audiences. So think uh, that might be, you know, the chip that goes onto the board, that goes into the thing, that goes into the other thing that becomes your nest on your walls. So, uh, uh, you know, anything from targeting design engineers to test and measurement to control and automation. So anyway, that's what we do. And mm -hmm. our strengths include uh, brand positioning and messaging, content marketing, uh, you name it, you know, that it delves into so many different areas when it comes into promoting content, yeah. you know, strengthening that website. So that's what we do in a nutshell. Yeah, and it's in it's really important. And I'm, I mean, I know this from my own agency experience. Um, 
when a client comes across and is trying to reach the market that you just asked for, I always say, hey, why don't you someone for you? Because I can't do that very effectively. And, and you know, as marketers, it's, it's good for us to understand where our limitations lie. And Absolutely. I think that and being able to really niche yourself in that highly technical industry is, is wonderful because you can become a go-to expert in that um, in terms of the topic matter, which is why a lot of people have been asking you questions, Wendy. So let's dive into some questions, okay? Okay. So first off, from the audience, do technical buyers behave differently than traditional B2B buyers? Well, let me ask you a question. Have you met any engineers? Do you have any in your life? Personally, no. I don't. No. Okay. Okay. Well, I do. My my father and my brother are both engineers okay. and they have a very different personality than I do. Mm. So uh, they're very analytical, detail oriented. Mm. Um, they both have a wicked sense of humor too, but that might be just my family. Yeah. But while, you know, while in, in high school, I was off, you know, making mixtapes and, you know, <laughs> you know, hitting the mall and, and cruising for boys or whatever. My, my brother, he was doing something odd. He was picking up discarded electronics on recycle day, taking them home, fixing them, and then returning them to people. So like broken TVs and stuff. Oh my gosh, that's so cool. Because he wanted to tinker. He wanted to learn yeah. how things work. So, you know, fast forward to engineers out there uh, today, they're trying to solve really big, heady problems. And some have critical implications on people's health, yeah. you know, people's welfare. And yeah. so a wrong decision can have dire implications. Mm -hmm. And so if you, if you put yourself in, in that position, uh, you could see why engineers need lots of content, lots of information to make an informed decision. Yeah. And so that's why reaching engineers when content marketing is a great way to reach this audience, but also the nuances around how you construct that content and how you put it in front of that engineer is very different. Yeah. And, and, and kind of to like uh, kind of continue on or really solidify that point even further uh, you know, uh, if you are trying, if you are uh, trying to reach technical buyers as as a company, and you're trying to vet different agencies, it's always a good idea to get examples of their work or to look at what what companies they they have worked with. Because for me, if a technical buyer came to, I'm sorry, if a company that's trying to reach that audience is going to come to my agency, I would immediately say, you know what, this is not my strong suit. But I'm honest, so yeah. I would say I would, I, and let me connect you with someone that can sure. um, because it, is it impossible no but it takes if you already know you can get your results so much faster yeah and it's also nice for the person that you're working with to speak your lingo and speak your language and have like their hands in the soil so going through that vetting process and trying to find someone that is extremely niched in that is very very important because like you said traditional b2b buyers and then technical buyers are it's a whole different messaging strategy. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, just using the example of writing a case study or a white paper, you can imagine one, just the, like you said, the lingo and the acronyms that are associated with the industry. Mm -hmm. So using those correctly, uh, striking the balance between uh, depth of technical information and also telling a story, but yes. it's, it's not easy. It, not everybody can do this in this area. Um, and I know, cause I need to recruit, you know, people from my agency yeah. that have the chops and, uh, and it's, 
tough sometimes to find someone who's willing to go that deep and be that accurate and careful. Uh, and it certainly takes a subject matter expert paired with that person too. Yep, completely agree with you. Here's another question for you, Wendy. Okay. Uh, what mistakes do technical companies make when crafting messages? Ah, well, there are times when companies feel that their product or their solution is so awesome. It's so unique. It, you know, earth shattering that, that people just come, right? Uh, so there's that misconception and also a tendency to want to speak in terms of, you know, product attributes. So talk about the product, make the product the hero or the solution the hero rather than the customer. Mm -hmm. And so our job is to help come in and balance that and say, yes, there's a place to talk about the solution and provide the specs, but we don't start there, right? We start with right. connecting with that buyer, building trust, showing that we understand their pain, their challenges, and then moving into, you know, those solution information, you know, later in the process. Yeah, it's, 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 um, it's interesting kind of trying to, do you feel that, that the companies themselves are trying to push their own agendas more than understanding how the audience is going to accept it? Uh, there are certainly times when uh, the belief in that solution is so strong that it's just like, it'd be fine. You're like, just put it out there. It'll be, it'll be great. And then I think there are other times when, um, there's a fear of being too niche, right? Of, of speaking to somebody and excluding someone else. And yeah. so we spend a lot of time on that. Like, what are your buyer personas? What industries and application areas are you focused in? And so some companies would be like, we can solve anything. We have smart engineers here. We can do everything for everyone. And we'd be like, no, no, no. Yeah, We're not yeah. getting traction on that, right? <laughs> So let's narrow down and really talk about where you're best, you know, and where you see your business heading in the next, you know, one to three years. And let's focus on those applications areas and tell those stories and connect with those specific buyers that are going to be the specifiers that come find you and bring you to the buyer's uh, table. Just from not doing a lot of technical marketing myself, uh, yeah. do, do your clients come to you with audiences that are accurate in terms of what their buyers are do they do they are they in touch with who their actual audience is or do you have to sometimes do some digging and kind of repurpose and restructure them yeah it, most of the time they have a good handle on it but they don't have it formalized they don't have the language around it and they're not connecting what they know of the customer with marketing so when you bring in you know the company executive or the sales senior sales team they know this buyer and, mm. and we come in having studied a lot of these buyers already. So if we take design engineers in semiconductor, for example, we've, we've done a lot of work there. So we know from past history, certain things about this buyer and we've researched them mm. and then they come to the table, the other uh, pieces of information. And then from there, we form that picture. Gotcha. Um, but I think it's, it's really becomes a matter of connecting that with your content strategy, your marketing plan. Like, what does this mean? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it, I, the reason I ask that is because a lot of times when I'm working with product companies that are more, um, to direct the consumer, uh, -huh. uh it's, 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 we, we do get that anyone that's breathing is our, yeah. <laughs> we have such an amazing product and it's kind of like, well, well, it's, it's, it's a bicycle, so I can't sell that to infants. Um, and so, but, but no, it's interesting to hear that. Um, another question I have for you um, from the audience, where do engineers and technical buyers seek information? 
to make a purchase decision. Yeah. So this has been a hot topic, as you might imagine, with uh, uh, you know everything that's happened in our world with COVID. Yeah. And so um, we conduct an annual research study of where engineers uh, seek information and how they consume it to make purchase decisions. Yeah. And in fact, we just released uh, our, our 2021 version. So it's called 2021 State of Marketing to Engineers. Nice. And um, they, and it's a great report and we can look at trends over time. So um, in short, engineers are spending a lot of the buyer's journey online. And that probably doesn't surprise you, right? They're oh, going no. to Google, they're searching on, on keywords about their challenges and they're going to vendor websites. So supplier websites. So even small companies, big companies, they're just looking for that content on websites. Now, this year with um, industry trade shows, you know, last year, excuse me, not, not being an option, we saw even more of the buyer's journey turning online and focusing on industry publication websites. Uh, those were big. Mm -hmm. And uh, podcast adoption is growing and video adoption is, yeah. I mean, through 97% of engineers watch videos for work every single week, 97%. I know. It's yeah. crazy. It, it's crazy. Like one of the stats that we got, we, we were doing, we um, read a study recently and it's 89, uh, there's an 89% increase in um, people uh, engaging with video online. I mean, this is not a shocker, right? I mean, no, but for happens. work, but, but I find that it, it did, it did a little bit shock me that the percentage was so high when it came mm. for work problems in engineers. Um, and, mm. and I think it's, it's highlights an, uh, a gap with B2B marketers that are fearful of creating video content because it has oh, yeah. to be perfect and polished. And I guarantee you that's not the mindset of that engineer when they're on YouTube, you know, seeking a really detailed, uh, you know, answer to something. Yeah, it's interesting. One of the things that I've been I, 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 I've been trying to introduce to clients, I mean, obviously, there's different platforms that will be more successful for a technical audience as opposed to like a B, uh, just a traditional B2B or B2C model. Um, yeah. But uh, so, for example, if I'm looking for a B2C model, what I, what I would suggest is if we're trying to get them into videos, we will try to say, hey, why don't we do some like very loose videos and we can use them as stories more mm -hmm. disposable content so they get more comfortable with it and then they're like hey can i like this video can we put this on our, our as a, on a regular feed and it's kind of like yes okay let's do it let's do, let's start rolling yeah. this out this video idea out because i think a lot of people are, are understanding that that's where people are and that's the more engaging content i don't want to see a stock image of something if some if something is moving i'm I'm going to be more engaged. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and engineers there, they turn to LinkedIn and mm -hmm. uh, that's, that's really their social channel of preference. The others don't perform well. Um, I mean, it's pretty abysmal actually, but for LinkedIn, that's right. That's the Holy grail there is having your, your video content that's engaging on LinkedIn and then mm -hmm. get people, as you say, to subscribe and take notice and comment and yeah. get that engagement. On LinkedIn, just a kind of just a uh, just a personal question, yeah. um, well, professional question. The with the um, LinkedIn advertising platform, do you find that your 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 clients utilize the LinkedIn advertising platform a lot? Uh, I would say it's a mixture of how much they utilize it. However, we've found it's 
performing wonderfully, uh, particularly when you compare to Google advertising. So LinkedIn advertising, it just, you can be so prescriptive about the audience that you're putting your material in front of. Yeah, yeah, so big success there. And then the other form of online advertising success we've seen is these um, industry publication websites. So having a, a really compelling white paper ebook or something, and then advertising that on those sites. Oh yeah, absolutely. And, and, and another thing that we've seen um, a really big uptick in is um, IP retargeted ads for anybody that goes to their website. So if you're driving, if you're driving, um, driving traffic to a white paper on your own website, having the pixel installed so that they get your ads wherever they go. Yeah. Um, yeah, oh my gosh, you're going to love this statistic then. For the first time in this research, we asked about retargeting and we okay. asked, and one of the answers was, is, do you find it basically helpful or creepy? Or I take no notice. <laughs> <laughs> I like those you options. You ready for this? Okay. Yeah. A, a third of engineers find it creepy. It was like a 32% or something. A third found it helpful. And a third said, I don't even notice it. So... <laughs> So it's really nice that with retargeting, you can measure performance uh, pretty much in real time, right? And, and tell how things are going. And so for the marketer in this space, you really need to monitor closely to make sure you're not repelling that audience and creeping them out, so to speak. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, now, uh, how has um, things changed since the pandemic hit? Yeah, well, um, when when trade shows went away, we yeah. saw, again, more people go online, but also uh, we dug in in this research um, to virtual events and mm. webinars because, you know, you saw industry trade shows turn that direction and we said, okay, or, you know, people into doing this. Yeah. And um, I, you know what I think? I think there's a lot of confusion over the difference between a virtual event and a webinar, you know, an, or an online webinar series. <laughs> so we yeah. marketers see it a little bit differently, but when it came down to it, um, an event that had a strong conference component, whether that be online or not, always does better. We can go in, have these great presentations, get tangible training out of it, network in a meaningful way that doesn't feel like a salesperson, whether that be on the expo floor or in a chat pane, you know, mm -hmm. trying to get your attention. Those were the things that were valued most. Um, and it, it's not really that surprising. Um, so that, I think that was a big change. And then the other one was, um, I kind of thought that with the buyer's journey, maybe more people would turn to chat and want to interact different ways. And yeah. we saw that really um, still email is preferred over yeah. phone and then um, chat still just really low in adoption in this space. So I'm interested to see if that will change towards the end of 2021 as I feel like B2C is kind of going to beat us all into submission on chat and, and, and maybe, yes. you know, that'll train the same people, you know, to use it in their work life. So I'm yeah. watching that closely. Yeah. It's interesting because I, I agree with you. It's, and I've, I've talked to a lot of, uh, a lot of people who deal with industries that have been really affected by the conference industry mm -hmm. going away. And um, the virtual events, if this is, I'm, this is kind of like an off the cuff question. Yeah. If so, if I was a if I was a um, a technical company and I was trying to kind of present to the technical buyers at a virtual event, how would I know if the event was good or not? Like, how could I pre-vet that event to know that it's hitting the marks 
that I should look for because mm-hmm. it's kind of, I mean, I'm on so many different email blo- email lists that yeah. I get so many of these virtual events and I'm looking at them and I'm just, and I mean, we're in it. So, I mean, I know what's crap and what's good and what is basically a glorified webinar, which is going to be a PowerPoint presentation that's going to be in like Times New Roman 12 font, <laughs> you know, um, uh, but how do you, like, how do you bet them? Like, what, what do you feel has the most value? Yeah, well, you know, engineers don't want to be marketed or sold to. They're really skeptical. And so you have to look at the way that event is constructed. And so from an engineer's, uh, I guess, sitting in their shoes, right, and and looking at how this uh, event is constructed, if it looks like it's a salesy kind of drop by the virtual booth and be chatted to, that's, they're going to take a hard pass on that. So Uh to me, it comes down to the technical portion or what people are offering in these virtual environments. You know, are there keynotes and presentations and um, it, and, and ironically, it doesn't matter so much if it's 12 point and times Mm -hmm. new Roman in, if it's meaty, interesting, compelling content. Mm-hmm. So, um, so that's, that's really what it's come down to for this audience. I mean, not to say they don't appreciate good aesthetics, but yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, another thing too, is like, uh, when we're talking about, um, webinars, how effective do you feel that they are with this audience? Yeah. So we actually had engineers compare virtual events and webinars as one of our research questions yeah. and, um, and webinars outperformed virtual events two to one. So yeah. Uh, we know webinars are, are popular. They're here. We've seen performance with our own clients that they work. And they're such a great kind of midpoint in that buyer's journey of mm-hmm. I brought somebody to my website. They poked around. I've built trust with them. They're not ready to talk to sales. Like what else can I do to compel them to mm-hmm. shortlist us, you know, when it comes yeah. time to be at the, the buying table right. and webinars do a great job at that. Now, do you feel that Evergreen webinars that are, are that can be sent on demand are uh-huh. are better than a timed event for this audience. I'm just curious. Yeah, I I don't look at them as better or worse. I mean, certainly there's a more lot effective, of hype. Maybe I mean, more effective, maybe. Yeah, yeah. No, I know. No, I I know what you mean. Um, you know, we've seen live events do well because of that, that immediacy. And when it's a topic that is time sensitive, that's important. But to your point, if it's evergreen, yeah, you know, you could still create the hype, but just having it on demand and promoting it well does well, you know, performs well. And I think also putting it in a series where you have two, three, maybe five of those together just really does well. So Um, I would say experiment and think about that topic and, and whether or not it commands something that's time sensitive. Yeah, I, I completely agree with you with the series. I, I do feel that it hooks them in. Um, and it also, uh, this is one of the pushbacks that my clients would have. If we suggest like, hey, we should put, the, the, what, what kind of things can we produce in-house? I would mm-hmm. say, well, you know, go for a webinar. And they're like, okay, we, we're only going to do one of them. And I said, well, why don't we do a series of them? And they're like, well, no, no. Our audience does not have the time to do this. <laughs> and I said, the people that you don't, that are not going to do business with you don't have time for you ever. Right, so right. it's good. It's a big qualifier to be yeah. able to be, be part of a series and have that, like that FOMO um, almost of what I have to get back to that. The first one that I missed in the series. Um, so, uh, okay, let's go, let's go into content. Um, okay. What types of content are most popular with tech? Yeah. So 
all of it is my short answer. <laughs> so, so um, we've asked this question, and of course, again, our own experience. Um, you know, at the end of the day, the content is best served in what suits it the best. Uh, so, white papers work for some things, ebooks work for others, case studies. Uh, one of the top performing pieces of content is CAD content. Do you know what CAD is? Um, yeah, I do, but refresh my memory. So computer aided design. So imagine, imagine you have a, a part, like you sell components yeah. and you can provide the engineering specifications around that component so that mm -hmm. a design engineer can load that in and see if it fits in what they're designing or maybe even design you in. And so um, we've studied content on just general popularity, but also what are you willing to fill out a form? You know, uh, what types of content do you see yeah. so valuable? And so is CAD content, white papers, video tutorials. Mm -hmm. So, you know, beyond just that high level video or short snippet of a demo, something that's longer, that goes into more depth, those perform really well. Um, so we always advise with our clients to think about the buyer's journey, you know, mm -hmm. start in one area with one persona and try to fill out that journey of the pieces of content they need at each stage. Right. And then repurpose, of course, in different ways to extend the life of that content and to meet people where they are. Um, do you help people develop that content or write that content? We do. Them? It's a big service of ours. Yeah. Yeah, I would imagine. I mean, that's a valuable service um, because, you know, if, I, if, I, if anything unites marketers across all different sectors, it's the lack of content being produced by the client. Yeah. So it's, it's yeah. definitely a big thing. Now, another question for you at True, do you guys um, work on um, kind of like web copy for clients to kind of align the messaging through what you're, de you're developing for them? We do. We, um, the ideal scenario is we start with brand positioning and messaging at the corporate level and then, you know, different divisions or solutions or whatever it is. And then we take that copy downstream into things like, you know, web copy, uh, power, corporate PowerPoints, uh, brochures, things like that. Okay. Yeah. That's all really important stuff. I love that. That's that, that process is a great process. Yeah. Um, and the um, kind of like looking forward to like the rest of the year, um, is there any, has there been any like little glimmers of trends? Uh, aside from what we've talked about already, has there been anything that kind of really jumped out at you that yeah. looks like it would be interesting? Uh, the one that we haven't mentioned is social selling. And so these, these poor salespeople that are used to flying out, meeting customers, pressing flesh are trying to learn how to live in this virtual world. And I see a lot of missteps on LinkedIn right now with um, salespeople just being really generic, really maybe using you know automated processes to try to connect with a massive amount of people. And so what I hope to see, and I believe we will, yeah. is a trend towards authenticity where salespeople are really reading a profile connecting with that person in a way that's, that's often, that shows that they studied them, that it makes sense for them to know each other and be more personalized. I completely agree with you. And this is something that um, I found that's been, it's been really great actually, because I find the clients that we've been, that we've been working with and the prospects that we've been talking to are into authenticity more so than they were pre-pandemic. Great. I think that it's one of the things that's made me really excited. Obviously the use of video makes me really excited because it's been the best, it's been the hot, big, big upcoming trend for like 12 years. 
Yeah, um, right. <laughs> right. It's the next big thing. It's like uh, every marketing, every marketing trend report you read, it's like 60% of marketers are going to be investing more in video next year. And it's like, well, no, they're not. They never did. Yeah. They yeah. They're um, still scared of it. <laughs> yeah. But what I've, what I've seen is that a lot of people have had the opportunity being able to kind of turn into themselves a little bit more and mm-hmm. kind of quiet the noise to look at things like I, I think every uh, some of the more difficult marketing concepts that I've pitched to clients in the past or perspective prospects they put them on the shelf because there's so much noise around them and the um 2020 kind of let people mm-hmm. have that moment of silence in a way it sounds terrible but it, it just uh, just kind of get the headspace yeah. to look at these different concepts and also you have to interact with some people in a different way so now these people that are were very like I don't do this I only do phone they're forced to do video. They're forced to do Zoom calls with their team. Their right. team's remote. So they're becoming more comfortable with electronic communication. So when we've been doing LinkedIn campaigns, what we've done is we've changed the way we present them to the client. We've always done them this way, but we don't just go in and, okay, your target audience is... Ex- oh my goodness. Did we drop out there for a second? We did. You, you, you were freezing up when you were explaining that a couple times. And I was like, all right, I'm just going to be cool. Cause I could hear most of what you're saying. And then it dropped and then it came back. Okay. So um, where did I let off? Cause I'll just edit this back. Um, okay. So you were talking about, um, you, you did the complicated, you talked about people are more receptive to the complicated things. Um, and then you brought it back to social selling, I think. And that's where it started cutting in and out. And I missed what you were saying. Gotcha. Okay. So, um, so what I would, um, with, with LinkedIn, um, it's, it's kind of, I, I've presented it differently to prospective clients and clients as to how we would go out um, to uh, interact with people in their target audience. Because if we're looking at a demographic, say demographic XYZ, we're not going to go a lot of marketing firms or salespeople will just go and like, oh, I just need to connect with as many of those people as possible. And then as soon as they accept my connection request, I'm going to send them this copy and paste that's this long with four links in it. Um, and it's a complete turnoff. So what we, what we do is we read through the profile. We see if it's the right person. We connect right. with them. And that's then cool. we authentically say, hey, great to connect with another person in our industry. I see that you've won a few awards. You're the person I need to be talking to about trends. Yes. And it's like, boom, engagement. And yeah. it's- it, And, and, and respectful of people's time, you know? I, yeah. It's great. And I think it's kind of like, it's it's a refreshing approach. Being authentic is is refreshing currently. So, Sadly. <laughs> I know, right? I, it's, it's interesting because like any, any, anything that we, we approach for a client um, is always as authentic and, and as possible. So we're trying to connect with the human side of everything because we're, we're, it's more of an emotional sell when you're dealing with like traditional B2B, traditional B2C. And so we always try to do a one-on-one. I don't want anyone to feel like you're talking to a machine. Mm-hmm. And now, and it's finally, people are responding to that. Whereas they didn't respond to that a couple of years ago. It's just so interesting. Um, but sociology is so fascinating. It is. Um, but but yeah, it's it's nice to see that people are now going into their LinkedIn inbox and they can see the crap and they can ignore the crap and they can oh, see yeah. the good stuff. Because I mean, we had a client that we onboarded the other week and he said, I don't really check my, I don't really check my um, my LinkedIn messages because they're all, they're all spam. I, I know they're all spam. So all for, of them. Yeah, all of them. Uh, and and I love I love absolutes right as a marketer uh, without any staff. <laughs> like I immediately just like 
Oh, okay. Well, okay. do you mind That's if I take a look through them? Uh-huh, just in case. And, <laughs> and you know you can always find like four or five leads in there. Oh, yeah. So, <laughs> but, um, but no, it's nice to see a return to authenticity. I do agree. And I think that's something that we should uh, hope continues on yeah. as, a, as a norm. Um, well, Wendy, it's, it's been really great um, talking to you about um, your expertise. Um, and where can people um, find you? Or is there anything that you have that you want to promote? Yeah, so you can find me at truemarketing.com and true is spelled T-R-E-W, marketing.com. And there, if you look in our resources section, you'll find that research report I talked about as well as a ton of eBooks. And I also published a book, it's called Content Marketing Engineered. And I have a podcast by the same name. And these are both targeted to, you know, executives and marketers that are trying to figure out how to reach these technical buyers. So uh, check that out. And of course, you can find me on LinkedIn. Yeah. And on all the links to everything that um, Wendy mentioned are going to be in the description of this show. So um, check this out also on our page, our podcast page on our website. So if you go to gosalesandmarketing.com and click on the podcast page, you can find um, Wendy's show and find all of the information that you need to connect with her and true marketing, T-R-E-W. So Wendy, thank you so much. Um, thank you. On an, um, we have some really great guests lined up over the next few weeks, so please tune in. Again, if you'd like to be a guest or if you have a question or a topic that you'd like me to, uh, to connect you with an expert on, Get in touch with me, go salesandmarketing.com. There's social media links, there's a chat, there's a contact page, you choose, okay? You can get in touch with me, it's not hard. Um, and then uh, please tune into our, um, our RSS feed for our podcast. Just click subscribe, our YouTube channel on all of the rest. But until next time, folks, thanks so much for joining me on the Social Marketing Academy. Take care of yourselves. Bye-bye.